welcome uh, today to the First Colony Church of Christ on this uh, Resurrection Sunday. So, so glad to, to have you with us. And so what we're doing today, we are considering and celebrating specifically the resurrection of Christ, his, his life, his purposeful death, and our belief, our uh, strong belief, our faith, our conviction that he rose again, and that the resurrection of Christ is, in essence, the essential foundation of our faith. And uh, the resurrection validates everything that Christ taught and did without the resurrection. Christianity is just wishful thinking and one more speculative philosophy. But the resurrection has indeed changed our very day of worship, first day of the week. It's changed history. The resurrection has changed me, changed you. It can change you. All right. I'd like for us to do our traditional uh, Easter declaration. And this is where I'm going to shout out, Christ is risen. And you, with great energy and volume, we're going to shout right back, he is risen indeed. Okay? You ready? Here we go. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Oh, it just warms your heart, doesn't it? Doesn't it? Fills your soul. Let's do it one more time. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. And so today in an Easter message, very simple Easter message, um, over the last few weeks, we've uh, taken a statement made by Pilate, where Pilate paraded Jesus publicly, and he said, oh, behold your king, meant in a very condescending way. But I'm taking that statement from Pilate and using it in a very worshipful way. And over the last few weeks, I'm asking you to behold your king, Jesus, and honor him. We've talked about how your king is a friend of sinners, and that is good news. That your king rules and he has no rivals. That your king is a lamb who died for your sins and can bring you to God. And today, your king makes appearances. And he makes appearances because he wants you confident, strong and bold and confident in what God is doing in the world and what he can do in you and me. Here's my first of four points. Jesus wants you confident about his resurrection. He wants you confident about his resurrection. That the resurrection really happened. This is not a myth. This is not a metaphor. This is a reality. This is not a saccharine illusion. And actually, after Christ's death, he rose again, and he didn't hide in a corner. He appeared time and time again over a period of 40 days, so much so that one of the earliest Christian creeds is recorded for us in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, beginning verse 3. For what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, that he was buried and he was raised on the third day according to the Scriptures. And get this, and that he appeared. Your king makes appearances one after another. He appeared to Cephas, then to the twelve, 
After that, he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers and sisters at the same time, most of whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep. So at the time of this writing, less than 20 years following the death of Christ, this early Christian creed about the resurrection of Christ and that many of the eyewitnesses were still living. And by the way, if you were to just give 15 minutes of time, let's say it's just 500, 15 minutes of time to them, that's about 128 hours of eyewitness testimony. That's a lot of time. Um, the resurrection really happened. It's not vague. It's not a metaphor, not a myth. Uh, the early believers were galvanized and absolutely changed by the resurrection. What was it that would turn a cowardly, fearful group into such a bold group willing to lay it all on the line, including their own lives? Many uh, scholars point, if you just want to uh, take one illustration, point to the Apostle Paul, Saul of Tarsus who had absolutely nothing to gain and everything to lose. He was a, an antagonist of the Christian faith. He had it made, if you will, in, in his world. And yet, he became such a strong supporter of the Christian faith. What led to that change? Answer, he is risen. He is risen indeed. And what's striking to me is the lack of counter-evidence to the resurrection. The Jewish authorities and the Roman authorities would have loved to have discredited the resurrection, and that's easy to do. Just produce a body. There you go. But they did not because they could not. And you say, well, now, Ronnie, there are a lot of crackpots who will die for a religious idea. Well, that's true. That's true. But no one is willing to die for a lie that they know is a lie. And those early believers were willing to put their lives on the line. Listen, you can put great confidence in the resurrection, and Christ wants you to have confidence in His resurrection because the resurrection is the foundation to your faith and mine. We do not, Jesus is, is is a historical figure, but he's more than a historical figure. But your faith, my faith, it is rooted in history, something that actually happened. Our faith is not, rooting, is not rooted in a feeling like, well, I kind of I feel today like God might be for me. No. Your faith is rooted in historical fact that Christ actually lived. He died a purposeful death he rose again, and that validates and verifies everything he taught and did. And by the way, if you're not yet a follower of Christ, and you're saying, well, I'm just not sure Jesus fits with me and fits with my ideas. <laughs> if Jesus Christ has not risen from the grave, you don't really need to listen to him. He's just one more voice among thousands. But if he did rise from the grave, he speaks with authority. And I do believe he's risen. He's risen indeed. And he is Lord and Savior. And Jesus wants you conf confident, secondly, in your resurrection. 
in your resurrection as well. <laughs> a guy by the name of Tim, Tim Tews wrote a, wrote a little article, and he said it was sort of a, a, a true story, something that uh, he knew about, where a florist in his town um, got uh, two orders mixed up. It had been a busy day, and there was one order for a, a new little business that had a, a, a new location, and there was another floral order for a for a funeral, I'm supposed to go to a funeral home. Well, the guy from the business called up and said, hey, you sent me the wrong floral arrangement. So we're trying to open up a new shop here today, a new business, and our, our, this uh, card reads, rest in peace. And the florist said, uh-oh, that means I sent uh, an arrangement to the funeral home that says, good luck in your new location. You do have a new location coming. You do. Unless you spend so much time trying to numb yourself, drinking it away, pilling it away, spending buying it away, trying to numb yourself, you do know that the mortality rate is still right around 100%. And you have an expiration date. And sometimes when you think about it, maybe you ask the question that Job asked, if a person dies, will they live again? And the answer is yes, and that Jesus Christ is the Lord of life and death and life to come. Jesus said this in John chapter 5, truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. He does not come into judgment, but is passed from death to life. And truly, truly, I say to you, an hour is coming, and now is here, when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God, and those who hear will live. For as the Father has life in himself, so he has granted the Son to have life in himself, and he has given him authority to execute judgment, because he is the Son of Man. And do not marvel at this. In other words, don't be shocked, for an hour is coming. When all who are in the tombs will hear his voice and come out, and those who've done good to the resurrection of life, those who've done evil to the resurrection of judgment, and the good news is when you belong to Jesus Christ, you have a good location ahead of you and a resurrection to life. And that's why the book of 2 Corinthians will say this, therefore, we're always confident. Jesus wants you confident in his resurrection. He wants you confident in your coming resurrection. We're always confident, and we know that as long as we're home in the body, we're away from the Lord. Isn't that interesting? As long as I am here, I'm away from the Lord, but I thought I was, the Lord was always with me. He is, but there is a sense where there's a distance, and right now we're living by faith and not by sight, but the day's coming in your future. We are confident, verse 8, and we would actually prefer to be away from the body and at home with the Lord. You know, your loved ones who are now with the Lord, where they are, it's better by far, says the Bible. And your best days are yet to come, praise God. When Winston Churchill planned his own funeral, it was held at St. Paul's Cathedral in London, and something interesting was done following all the eulogies. He had two buglers 
perched at either end. And at the close of the ceremony, one bugler played that dirge taps. Day is over. And as soon as taps was finished, that second bugler began to play reveille. A new day has begun. My friend, God has good things in store for you. And the Bible, the Holy Spirit, God the Father, Jesus himself wants you confident in his resurrection because that's the foundation of everything. He wants you confident in your coming resurrection. And thirdly, he wants you confident in your salvation, in your salvation. Now I'm going to put a question and an answer here on the screen. Why is the resurrection of Jesus a one-of-a-kind resurrection? Because you do know that Jesus was associated with other resurrections, not his own. One time, Jesus raised a little 12-year-old girl to life again. He walks into her bedroom and he says, little girl, I say to you, get up. And she did. One time, Jesus was walking into the little town of Nain, spelled N-A-I-N, and there was a funeral possession, and he raised a teenage boy to life again. And then one time Jesus went to the home of his friend Lazarus, who had been dead for a few days already. And he told some of the onlookers to move the stone. And then he said, Lazarus, come out. And Lazarus did. But the resurrection of Lazarus and that boy from Nain and that 12-year-old girl, they were not one-of-a-kind resurrections. They don't really give me hope. They were raised to life, but they died again. But the resurrection of Jesus Christ is a one-of-a-kind resurrection. Why? Because his resurrection follows a one-of-a-kind death. He didn't just die. He died a particular kind of death as a worthy sacrifice for your sins and mine. That's why the Bible will say this in 1 Corinthians 15. Death is swallowed up in victory. How in the world can that be? Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? And now listen to this phrase. The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. What in the world does that mean? The sting of death is sin. Listen, and that's bad news because this is a big-time sting. It's venomous. It's painful. It hurts. The sting of death is sin. What's sin? Sin is standing before God guilty. Actually guilty. Not feeling guilty, but actually being guilty. And that makes death bad news. Because if I die guilty and separated from God, that is not a good thing. That's a big-time sting. Well, and the power of sin is the law. What does that mean? God's law. Not your law. You know, Michael, I might not please you, and I'm sorry, but your law doesn't matter, quite honestly, that much to me. And your law really doesn't matter that much. God's law, though, actually determines sin or not sin. And let me just use me as an example. So God's law, there are certain things God's law says I shouldn't do, and I've done them. There, God's law says there are certain things I, I should do, 
and I haven't done those things. And so I'm guilty. So here I stand before a holy God whose glory I've thumbed my nose at before. So what's my future? The next line says, but thanks be to God who gives us the victory. How? Through our Lord Jesus Christ. This is a pretty good time to say amen. Jesus came to earth, the Son of God to earth. He lived an absolutely perfect life. In fact, one time he even said uh, to his enemies, who of you can convict me of sin? Who of you can actually convict me of any wrongdoing? You know what you heard? Crickets. Nothing. And so when he goes to the cross, he goes as a perfect sacrifice for you and me. And at the cross, he pays your debt and mine, and he fully satisfied the demands of that law. He lived the perfect life, and get this, I get credit for it. You get credit for it. That's why it's called the gospel. It's good news. It's too good to be true. You can have great confidence in your salvation because Jesus Christ, the Son of God, has paid the price for us in our place. It was a one-of-a-kind resurrection because it followed a one-of-a-kind, unique, and purposeful death for you and me. That's why none of us will spend an eternity bragging about ourselves. We'll spend an an eternity worshiping and praising for a salvation not a one of us deserves. That's why the Bible says, you're saved by grace, not by works, so that no one can boast. Let me read a couple of scriptures here. Hebrews 2, we are people of flesh and blood, and that's why Jesus became one of us. He died to destroy the devil who had power over death, but he also died to rescue all of us who live each day in the fear of dying. He's taken that away. He's taken the sting away, the venom away. Hebrews 9, just as people are destined to die once and after that to face judgment. In other words, no reincarnation. So Christ was sacrificed once to take away the sins of many. Notice, Christ was sacrificed once to take away the sins of many. And he will appear a second time. Your king makes appearances. He will appear a second time not to bear sin, But he's coming back to bring salvation to those like you and me who are waiting for him. Our king, he wants you confident in his resurrection, confident in your coming resurrection, confident in your salvation. And one more thing, he wants you confident that your God is near now. He's near now, that the Lord is near Jesus is a historical figure, yes, but listen carefully. But he is a risen Lord, a reigning Lord. He is living and present and near. 
throughout the Bible, we're reminded the Lord is near. The Lord is near. We're taught that we have the Holy Spirit, which is what? The invisible presence of God within and among us. We're taught that we can, we can pray and that God will hear and he will answer. Why? Because the Lord is near. He's not distant. He's close. And I want you to know, as Jesus said, he said, I'm a good shepherd, and he's still a good shepherd for you. And he loves you. He nurtures you. He will guide you. He will help you. He will strengthen you. You will never be alone. You'll never be alone. He'll never forsake you or leave you because he's a good, good shepherd who knows his sheep, who lays down his life for his sheep. You know, sometimes we're taught that we should pray with great specificity. And that's a good thing to pray very specifically because what that does is it gives God an opportunity to act specifically and for me to sense it and to see it. And I believe in tasting the Lord and seeing that he is good. But listen carefully. (laughs) I am not smart enough. I am not wise nor savvy enough to know specifically how I need to pray about everything. But I have a great God and King and Shepherd who loves me, and there are so many times I need to just say, Lord God, would you go before me? Would you just walk before me? Would you straighten the paths? Would you open the door? Would you open the gate? Would you equip me for whatever lies ahead? And our God will do that and is doing that for you. He is near now. He is with you. And so, my friend, I want you to have that confidence. Don't have this mindset that, 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 this negative mindset that says you can't. Have this positive mindset that says the Lord is near and he's going to help. Sometimes he'll, he'll just solve the problem for you. Sometimes he says, I tell you what, why don't you start walking by faith in my direction and let's, we'll see how we're able to solve this together. And sometimes he may not solve it. He'll just, he just says, I'll be right with you as we walk through this. He's a good, good God. And he will not forget you when days are dark. And he will be your strength. We serve a risen Lord, not a historical figure. Now, um, Friday night, um, several of us had a chance to experience a journey to the tomb. It was a, a production of our children's ministry here, and it was a terrific experience. Uh, it lasted about 45 minutes uh, for you to go from room to room. There were six rooms, uh, creation, Abraham and Sarah, um, uh, Jesse anointing uh, David to be king, um, Daniel and the lion's den, Mary's story as, as uh, Mary told about raising Jesus and the crucifixion, and then the last one was Joseph of Arimathea. And Joseph of Arimathea told us about his tomb, and we sat right there, and we could see this tomb. And, um, and of course, there was a stone over the tomb because Jesus had been buried in that tomb. 
But we were told to come back on Sunday morning because something might be a little different. And so that, that tomb is over here in our chapel. And uh, I encourage you to walk in that chapel and let it remind you of the reality that occurred on that first Easter Sunday when the eyewitnesses went to the tomb and that stone had been rolled away. Why? Because all heaven broke loose on Easter Sunday morning. And remember, the stone wasn't rolled away to let Jesus out. <laughs> he could get out on his own. That stone was rolled away so that people could look in and see he is risen. And he is risen indeed. Do you believe that? Are you following Christ Jesus? Have you embraced the good news? Not just as a story, not just as maybe a myth or back there in history. Are you confident in who Christ is? Confident in your identity? Confident that the Lord wants to be your good shepherd as of today? You say, well, Ronnie, I just don't have much faith. Jesus said, if you have a mustard seed of faith, we can do business. We can work together. And you want to know how you grow your faith? You act on the faith you have. And if you will act on even a mustard seed of faith, come back to church next Sunday. Whatever you need to do to act on that little seed of faith, it will grow. All right. We're going to pray here in just a moment. Greg, please be coming on up, making your way here. And as he's doing so, I want to read a couple of scriptures. From Romans 6, it says, for we died and we were buried by Christ by baptism. And notice, and just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, now we also may live new lives. And from Romans chapter 10, if you declare with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And if we can help you in your faith, faith journey, there's no important decision, no more important decision you'll ever make in your life than about your walk, your relationship with the living God. And if we can help, when this service is over, you go to our new Here, Start Here room just across the lobby. There's some printed information you can take. If you'd like to have a conversation with one of our church leaders, some of us will be there and we'd be happy to do so.